Hello everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Fit Till 30. As always, I am your host Tudor, and thank you for joining me each Wednesday. Now for this week's episode, I would like to start with a sequence of stories, and trust me, it will all make sense in the end. So let's start with going way back in the past, during a period of great strife, namely the Second World War. Now, of course, this was a horrible event, no questions asked, and a pointless waste of humans' lives. Now, a small consolation is that this event also spurred advances in science and medicine, as well as human psychology. In any case, picture this scene. You're a statistician by trade, have been brought by the American Air Force to help solve a spiny problem that they've been having. What problem, you might ask? Well, American bombers are busy doing frequent bombing runs on industrial targets in Germany. However, despite having fighter escorts and heavy armor, they had horrible casualty rates, which meant they were losing planes and pilots faster than they could replace them. Since the trip to Germany and back was very long, they couldn't just put more armor on the planes, as that would make them too heavy and use more fuel than they could carry. So they asked this statistician to look at the damage that the planes which survived the return trip had and determine which places on the planes should be reinforced. Now you might be thinking that this shouldn't be a difficult decision. Just see which areas were the most damaged and increase the resilience of those specific spots. Sounds logical enough, right? Well, this is when the statistician proved his degree by saying this rationalization was wrong. He explained by stating the following. The planes that are returning are only a part of the planes sent on a mission, as many others get down during the mission or during the flight back. This means they need to be included as part of the statistics, otherwise the picture would be incomplete. The planes that have returned were able to do so despite the damage they suffered. This means the damaged areas are not critical to the plane being able to return. Conversely, the planes that were lost in combat must have been hit in critical areas, otherwise they would have been able to fly back and thus would belong to the first category described. If you take all the three observations into account, the only logical conclusion is that the areas that weren't damaged at all on the surviving planes were in fact the most vulnerable and should be the ones to receive extra protection. Whilst the military chiefs were initially doubtful of the statistician's conclusions, nevertheless they applied them and were pleasantly surprised to find that indeed the casualty rates were significantly reduced, proving him right. Moving to a more mundane example, an often heard complaint regardless of the time period is that today's music is so much worse than the music of previous years. Now of course, we all have our own tastes in music, but I think one of the things that many people tend to agree on when talking about it is that we have this kind of nostalgia with regards to the music of our formative years, aka childhood, and that we keep that music in high regard whilst disregarding contemporary music. This nostalgia is just a natural effect of the human memory, where our brains remember only the good songs from our youth and have filtered out all the bad or forgettable songs, as those were not good enough to leave a lasting impression on us. On the other hand, we are fully aware of all the contemporary music that is being released, which means we are more likely to spot and judge bad songs that are in the zeitgeist. 
So once more, we have failed to consider all the bad songs from previous decades that failed to reach us due to lack of popularity in their time and age, thus giving off the impression that the decades before generated better music overall. Finally, when you think about high-profile individuals, this could be anything, ranging from people in the entertainment industry, such as movie stars, musicians and artists, Olympic athletes, or even successful business people, there is always a deep fascination on the part of the general public to understand how they reach their spot. The motivations behind it are numerous, such as a natural gossip tendency or a desire to emulate their success, but more often than not, people are hoping they can find out the secret to their success and follow it to the latter, as if it were a meal recipe with a guaranteed payout of becoming renowned. To be fair, the fact that many of the aforementioned stars often write autobiographies detailing all their trials, tribulations, habits and quirks does not help, lending even more credence to the concept of treating what they say as sort of a gospel to follow in order to reach their level of success. These books may even contain oddities or things that seem counterintuitive, such as dropping out of college enabling someone to reach a position of greater power, or failing to make several companies work helps a businessman decide what will be the best company to create. But people reading these will think these are legitimate methods of attaining success and won't try finding their own road fame since they already have the cheat sheet in hand. Of course, what people don't realize is that for each famous person that dropped out of college, there are likely millions which were hindered, if not distraught for life due to this event. The same can be said for every success story. While it worked out for one person, there is no telling how many failures also happened alongside it. For every person that took out a large loan and started a million dollar company, there are countless others that ended up in bankruptcy. This phenomenon is called survivor bias, or survivorship bias if you want to be fancy about it. And the whole idea behind it is that a lot of people make this logical error of looking at only the most successful outliers out of a group and assume that what they did is the norm instead of being the exception. This phenomenon is natural and only becomes even more natural as we have more people, more events, more things occupying our thoughts. As we can't pay attention to everything that happens, we focus only on the more extreme examples, so to speak. So we try to find the things that work out for us, preferably in the easiest and fastest way. After all, we have thousands of books detailing the lives of the rich and famous, but we don't have the hundreds of millions of books of the people who didn't become rich and famous because no one would buy those books. You do not really have the exposure to all the failed examples. And just like how in the first example when you're trying to understand what's happening to your planes, you don't have all the planes that didn't make it there to tell you their story of what has happened, you only have the survivors, hence the name of this cognitive bias. So you must keep in mind that this really affects our judgment in some situations. You might see people trying to sell a miracle drug, and oftentimes they'll claim they tried it personally and it saved their life. What we fail to realize is that while the drug might have worked for them, it most likely is not a universal panacea that would be a good fit for anyone. Others that have tried it might not see the same result or even have their health deteriorate from trying the same remedy. And you can also 
Keep in mind that perhaps they got better without it being related to the promoted product. This lack of correlation is often the reason many success stories also seem to show their protagonist in dire straits or having went through immense personal or financial difficulty and suggesting these hardened them or prepared them for their future success, whereas it is most likely these were just hindrances and they would have become successful sooner if it weren't for those blockers. But when we just look at how successful they are now, we tend to conflate everything that happened along the way as being a positive contributing factor instead of a hindrance. Similarly, in the fitness world, you'll also see things like very fit instructors trying to vouch that the workout routine they have come up with is the best workout routine ever and will work perfectly for you. And people will look at the person recommending it and assume that after following this routine, they will look as good as the person promoting it. Disregarding the fact that routine might have not had any impact on that person's looks, or even if it did, due to different physiological makeups, it would have a smaller or different outcome on others who try it. And this also works very well, unfortunately, with diets. There are a lot of diets out there that are advertised, where you might again assume that if you follow that diet, it will be the thing that will help you lose weight without keeping in mind the fact that the personality promoting this diet might obviously have ulterior motives, especially if you see the diet implies at any point purchasing something from that personality or their affiliates. So that's why you need to be always wary of diets that peddle certain goods that you need to consume regularly, like protein shakes, supplements, and so on. As always, when money is involved, you need to keep in mind that there will be interest from those selling the goods to obviously make their product seem like it's the right choice for everyone, whereas in fact this will not be the case. Now that you know what survivorship bias is, what you must keep in mind is that you need to always look at both sides of the picture. So the next time you read or watch a success story, an amazing workout or any miracle product in general that you think would be great for you, just try to keep in mind the reality behind it. And the reality is that for every successful user of something or a successful person, there are perhaps hundreds if not thousands of people that are on the other side that you will never know about that are the most likely outcome. I hope you found the subject of this week interesting and I look forward to hearing any feedback that you might have on the show subreddit, which you will find in the show description. Also, to cap up a bit about this week's weight loss progress, I am happy to report that I've lost 1.2 kilograms, which means that I am now under the 120s, which is quite an achievement. So now I am down to 119.4. So thank you very much for listening. I'll hope to hear from you soon. Take care and cheers.